Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. And thanks for joining us online today, whether you're streaming on Sunday morning or catching us later down the road. I'm so glad that you're here and that we get to spend a little time together here in week five of our Keep Knocking series. Week five. How is it possible that we started together back on January 2nd and we are already a month into 2022? Some of you may have even just completed a 21-day fast as a part of the focus of this series. If that's you, we've been praying over this season. I can't wait to hear about the transformation that God has done and is continuing to do in your lives. Feel free to use the comments on this video anytime to share something God has put on your heart or to share a praise that we can be celebrating with you. We truly are together, whether it be in the building or in a coffee shop somewhere or connected via screens and comment threads. Our time together this month has been primarily focused on 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, where Paul, who is writing to what is basically a church plant of the early believers in Thessalonica, gives three basic commands to follow. Read this with me. They are, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Way back in week one, we talked about what it looks like to actively rejoice, to have joy in the Lord at all times. And since then, Pastor Drew has been diving deep into what our prayer lives look like when we truly keep knocking and pray continually, give thanks always, and please God daily. Well, today, we're going to look at what might happen if we take this idea of our, our prayer lives and kind of shift our perspectives so that they become holy lives of prayer. But before we dive in, I need to confess something to you. I don't do great at writing here in my office. There are too many other things to do and there's always people to talk to. And I don't do great writing at home because I have a very cute cat to play with and there's something to be cleaned or organized. And I just, I do much better in coffee shops or in libraries. And so when I went to write this message, I headed over to the fringe here in Hamilton. And when I got there, there were several people I knew and I realized I did not have the self-control to work instead of chat. So I packed my stuff back up. I said goodbye to one of the friends I had run into. Specifically what I said was, I'm going to the library to get some focus space to work on this sermon. It's on prayer. I should probably pray on my way over there. I got in the car, I turned on the radio, and guess how much praying I did? None. So I walk into the library, the cute one over on 3rd Street, and I get settled into this very quiet corner, and just as I start to type, a social worker and their client walk into the room, and I had headphones in, so it took me a moment before I looked up and realized that the client had stopped at my table instead of following the social worker. And he was a big guy, a good foot taller than I am, in a big puffy black coat and a beanie and a mask. I don't know how long he had been trying to get my attention, but I take the headphones out and he very loudly says, hi, in this great booming radio voice that I'm sure echoed through the whole library. So I say hi back. 
And then I look back at my laptop, stick my headphones back in while his social worker comes to persuade him to come back to the table. And again, hi, but this time he added, what's your name? So I take my headphones back out and went in to be kind, say, I'm Liz, what's your name? And he says, Ted, elbow, and he leans his elbow over so that I can very pandemic style elbow him back and say, nice to meet you. Assuming that Ted would now go back to his spot, I put my headphones back in. I go back to my work and Ted does not leave. He just stands there. The social worker has now walked back over to retrieve Ted. I take my headphones back out for the third time and I look up and Ted says, and I kid you not, I'm gonna pray for you. Me, still oblivious to the work of the Holy Spirit, say, thanks Ted, I'm actually writing a sermon on prayer, so that's just perfect. And then I instantly put my eyes back on my laptop. Ted does not move. Instead, he pulls a rosary out of his pocket and he immediately starts praying over me. When I said I was going to pray and I didn't, God didn't smite me. He didn't even just let me sit in my own distraction for long. He sent Ted. And Ted stopped and Ted saw me and Ted decided to connect with me. He prayed over me immediately, and, and he probably has no idea that God was answering his prayer in the moments that he was praying it, or even really exactly what he was praying for, but I, I know. I know that God was sending me a message, and one that I needed and that resonated very personally with me in that moment, and one that I think I've been invited to share with you this morning, and it's this. God wants connection with us, and he's constantly making himself known and available to us if we're willing to take our headphones out and put our laptops down and look up for a minute. God desires connection with us. We see it in the Bible from start to finish, in creation, in the way that God interacts with Adam and Eve in the garden, in God's brokenheartedness over the state of humanity before the flood, in his covenant with his chosen people, Israel, in his messages to the prophets and through the prophets, and ultimately in God's literal embodiment here on earth and sacrifice so that disconnection could become connection, so that brokenness could become wholeness. And when I think about this overwhelming grandeur of God's plan simply to connect with us, it begins to paint a much fuller picture of prayer than what I think many of us have in our minds. Prayer is the posture that we take in response to this attentive God and his attention to us. It's more than just a routine of a few minutes set aside before the day starts or before the food gets cold or before we take the test that we didn't adequately prepare for. John Mark Comer is a pastor and an author based in Portland. I first ran across him through a book he wrote called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I highly recommend. And he used this definition of prayer in one of his messages. He said, prayer is a whole life orientation toward God. In the same message, he cited another great author and theologian, Robert Mulholland, who defined prayer as an established posture or relationship with God that becomes the context within which we experience all of the events and relationships of our lives. This is what it is to pray constantly, to recognize and respond to God's desire for us in everything that we do. Rather than picture prayer as this prominently framed painting on 
a bigger wall of Christian spirituality. I think that, that our lives are really meant to be an entire canvas of prayer on which all of the rest of it is painted, on which we experience the events and the relationships of our lives. I'm a very visual person, and the more I started thinking about this image, the more curious I got about this idea of a canvas. And, and what difference does the kind of canvas make to the artist and to the work that they're creating? Maybe some of you listening this morning are artists. And I, listen, I know we shouldn't be jealous of other people's God-given talents, but I'm kind of jealous. And you probably could tell us way more about what I'm about to share than I could, but bear with me because I think that God has a lot that he wants to remind us of through this simple image of a canvas. So to get started, I Googled, how to choose an art canvas, and why does the canvas matter? And here are the primary things that I learned. The weight, the material, and the surface preparation of the fabric matters, and that the back of the canvas can tell you a whole lot about the work of art on the front of it. So for the next few moments, if you will, let's examine our prayer lives together as, as canvases of prayer. And we're going to use these two ideas to kind of see where we're at personally and where we might be called to make some adjustments. So this first attribute of canvas is its weight. And in the art world, the weight isn't necessarily about how physically heavy the canvas is, but about how much tension the canvas can handle when it's stretched. Weight is how much fabric there is per area, the thickness of the thread matters and how tightly woven together it matters. So the heavier the weight, the more tightly woven together the thread is, the more tension that the canvas fabric can take without getting distorted or ripping or tearing. Being in constant awareness of God's presence in our lives is what allows us to stretch and to grow, to withstand the brush strokes and the pencil marks and the erasing and the painting over that life will inevitably bring. We see James write about this idea in James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18, where he says, Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. We will be stretched in our lives. There will be suffering. There will be celebration. There will be sickness. We will fall short. But the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. The prayer of the righteous carries weight. When we spend time intentionally connecting with God in prayer, seeking his help and his wisdom, whether it's in a set-aside hour of verbal prayer to him, or in your journaling time, or on a walk through nature, or, or maybe it's a simple help when you're trying to keep your toddler from jumping out of the grocery cart. When we focus our attention on God, we are strengthened. The second attribute that matters in a canvas 
is the material that it's made of. And apparently there can be a lot of them. One article talks about how you can find tea towels and wrapping paper and even board games that were used as canvas by, by world-renowned artists. But the most common are linen and cotton. And the difference between these two is the cost. Linen is weightier and smoother, but it costs a lot more. Cotton is cheaper, but it won't be as smooth and it won't hold up as well. Living out a posture of prayer, especially when, when we're making adjustments to our lifestyle and our mindsets in order to get to that place is not a cost-free way of living. But the things that we are giving up are ultimately the best for us. For me, what I immediately think of when I think of what it would cost me to really have a more intentional whole life of prayer is the time I spend on social media or just media intake in general. An intentional life of prayer will cost us our distractions. It will take discipline to put the phone down. It will take discipline to limit the amount of, of consuming that we do in order to be creators instead. And creating can be a beautiful form of prayer. And while right now in this moment, I can be so confident that that expense is worth it, I also know that it's so easy to be pulled into, into the quick, into the easy, into the cheap. These are not qualities that are made to last. So let's invest in a canvas of prayer. Let's give a daily prayer hour the discipline it deserves. Let's fast when we're called to fast. Let's make time to be out in nature and connect with God and his creation. Let's be brave enough to notice when our thoughts are not toward God. 2 Corinthians 10 through 5 reminds us of this, that indeed we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We can choose to invest in a life of prayer that has divine power to destroy strongholds. But we have to commit to destroying the ego, to taking every thought captive and handing it over to the will of Christ. While this may not fit entirely seamlessly within this lengthy canvas analogy, I think that this idea of taking every thought captive is also what prepares the surface of our canvas for that work that is to come. What Google taught me about prepping the canvas, thanks Google, is that priming is really what creates a straight, a stable structure for the paint. So taking every thought captive doesn't mean taking bad thoughts and making them good. I think it can look like making sure that even our loveliest thoughts are directed toward God. The way that this primes us is that it makes nothing all about us. If our lives, these works of art, are created to give God glory, then we should be primed in a way that prepares for that. When we're surprised by a difficult conflict, we're primed by prayer to give our anxieties to God and to act in His wisdom. When we're experiencing great joy and excitement, we're primed by prayer to thank Him and to honor Him. When we're living in just what feels like an ordinary day, we're primed in prayer to notice the move of the Holy Spirit and to participate in that. Prayer gives weight to our lives. It sustains us and it prepares us for what is to come. The second and final significant thing that I learned about canvases is just how much they can tell you about a completed work of art. By looking at the backside of a canvas, you can tell things like how old a painting is, who owned it, where it has been, or if it's ever been damaged or restored. 
Sometimes an artist would even reuse a canvas. And when you look at the back, you can find an old sketch of the image or of an entirely different picture together. It's my hope that at the end of my life, that when I look back at the prayers that I've prayed and the life that I've lived, that there would be proof of whose I am, of the places I've been, and of the restoration that I've experienced. That the picture of who I was at the beginning would be noticeably different from who I am at the end. And that that final work of art would reflect something or someone bigger than myself. So what about you? When you examine the weight, the material, the primer, when you turn the picture over and you look at the places that you've been, what do you find? Maybe you're feeling worn, like the weight of the canvas isn't heavy enough to withstand the work that's being done now. Keep knocking, keep putting in the work, lean into Jesus, ask him to strengthen you. Maybe you're in a part of the painting that just doesn't even seem to fit the picture you imagined or that is covering a part of the picture that you wanted to hang on to. It's not the end. There's more work to be done. And the parts that we can see in our pictures are constantly changing. We have to trust God to do the work that he's promised. And he's promised to restore us from brokenness, to make beautiful the things that have been ruined. Or maybe, maybe you're feeling like a pretty blank slate right now. Like you're ready, but wondering. Keep asking those questions. Keep getting curious about the work that God is doing in and around you. These, these canvases of prayer, these lives that we are living are unique and they're meaningful. And they're also much bigger than any one of us. They're a part of an even greater picture of what God is doing in the world. And we get to be a part of that. As we close together this morning, I want to invite you to really get an image of your own canvas in your mind. You, you decide the size, the paint already on it, the shape, maybe even the texture of the surface. And I want you to spend a moment just, just looking at it. Ask God to point out important aspects, the work that he's doing, the areas where something you've prayed for is happening that you might not even recognize yet, and give it all to him. And it's unfinished, in perfect state. He's making something beautiful, and I cannot wait to see how he continues to work. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, the work that you are doing in our lives, and we thank you that, that you want to connect with us, that you reach out to us through a, through a human like Ted, God, that you reached out to me, and you brought me back into connection and into attention with God, I ask that right now that you would draw our minds and our thoughts and our hearts exclusively towards you and towards what you're doing and what you have for us. God, that you would strengthen the weak spots in our, in our lives of prayer, that you would knit us more closely together, that you would do a work in our lives that would be long-lasting and that would, that would show off your glory. God, for anyone who's listening this morning that might be feeling discouraged, that is struggling to see the work of art that you're doing. God, I ask that you would give them hope, that you would give them encouragement, that they would know that there is purpose and that there is meaning and that there is uniqueness in their lives. God, I ask that you would help us to come around each other, that we would support each other in the callings that you've placed on us and on us as a community, um, and that together uh, we would create something even more incredible as you invite us into your mission in the world. 
God, I thank you that you have prepared us and that you're continuing to prepare us for even greater things to come. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Friends, we're so thankful that you've joined us online today. I do want to remind you that it's also a really special month around here for a couple of reasons, and one of those is that it is Missions Emphasis Month. What that means is that each week we've been focusing on a different missionary that we partner with or ministry that we've been able to um, do some things with here in our community. And today is a special day of giving towards our missions budget for the year. This congregation and community has been so faithful to continue to just listen to the Lord and to participate in incredible ways, whether that's international missions or local missions right here in our neighborhood. Um, you can be a part of that by giving above your regular tithe if you're a part of our Bridgewater family. Um, and you can do that through the link that's here in the comments. It's just at bwch.org give. And right there you can specify that it's, a, that it's a special gift towards the missions budget. Our goal is $25,000 for the year. And I am so confident that God is going to provide everything that we need to do the work that he's called us to. So pray about that and continue to be just asking the Lord to give us wisdom as we move into this next year and navigate some new normals of what, what missions is looking like and be praying for our, our missionaries that we partner with all over the world. We're so thankful that you have joined us in that. And we're praying for you until we see each other again. Take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you wanna be a part of our eFamily, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.